Don't mess with Mary. <laughs> I love that video. I love it for two reasons. Number one, it's adorably cute. I think we can all agree. Number two, I love that video because I actually believe it communicates, it shows us something fundamentally messed up and wrong with us as human beings. No one had to teach those children to act in that way. None of their parents had to sit them down and teach them how to act in that way. We don't have to go up to our two-year-old and teach them how to walk across the room and snatch a toy away from another child and push them to the ground. We don't have to teach them how to bite someone or to lie or steal. It's like there's something just innately a little bit messed up inside of us. My daughter, Amelia, who's here with us tonight, she is growing up to be a wonderful and beautiful and talented and kind, almost 12-year-old young lady. When she was three years old, however, she very much acted like a three-year-old. And there was one Saturday afternoon, and this is a completely true story, and I have her permission. One Saturday afternoon when she was three years old, we were watching television and we sort of defaulted to watching whatever Amelia wanted to watch on Netflix or Amazon Prime. It could have been Paw Patrol or PBS Kids, don't remember exactly what it was. I thought maybe it isn't the best thing that she controls the entire television. It's not good for her to watch always what she wants to watch. And so I turned to her and said, Amelia, and we had been watching television for a long, long time. I said, Amelia, we're going to watch just one of my shows. We're going to watch just one of Daddy's shows. And she lost her mind. <laughs> she threw herself down on the ground, kicking, screaming, just total tantrum that was happening, just yelling, his arch in her back. So I thought, okay, I'm going to pick her up. I'm going to carry her upstairs and put her in her room so she can calm down. And as I was carrying her up the stairs of our home, she was yelling and she was screaming. And this is what she said, and this is true. She said, you are a bad dad. <laughs> and then she said, you are listening to Satan. <laughs> And I put her on her bed and was expecting it to start levitating off the <laughs> floor. And remarkably, we actually were able to grab a photograph of what she looked like in that moment, and this is it. <laughs> That's the best Photoshop I can do right there. What is all this about? Again, I think we all know there is something fundamentally just not fully right within us. 
I think we all know that we have a problem. We're all trying to fix that problem. And I can say that with confidence to you tonight because I've been to Barnes and Noble. And one of the largest sections in Barnes and Noble is the self-help section. There is a huge part of the self-help section, which is just about trying to make yourself better physically. If you can just get a little more fit, a little more toned, a little more handsome, a little more beautiful, lose a little weight, then maybe you will finally start living your life to the full. There's a whole section in that self-help area, which is all about money. If you can just make more money, grow that money, keep that money, a little bit more money in your life oh and then your life would be so much better and that self-help section in Barnes and Noble not just sort of how we present ourselves outwardly to the world we know that doesn't really work right so we turn inward and there's a whole section of that self-help area that's really kind of the Oprah Winfrey section of the store and that's where we are taught how to look inward and we turn inward for our truth, and we turn inward for who we are. And that's the part that teaches us how to just love ourselves and celebrate ourselves and give ourselves a hug and be our own heroes. That our fundamental problem is low self-esteem, and we have to summon up from within ourselves high self-esteem. We have to find ourselves or even create ourselves that means all of your value and your worth and your meaning and your purpose and your identity comes from within you and it's on you. You ever tried to hug yourself? It doesn't work. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting pretending to be strong. And it's exhausting pretending like everything is great. How are you doing? I'm fine. Great. You've got a problem. I think we all know life isn't what we want it to be fully. What's the solution to that problem? Well, it's Christmas. Christmas is the solution. It is the answer, if there's one word that we associate with Christmas, it is the word joy. Joy to the world, we're going to sing. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the peoples. If you are a peoples here tonight, God wants you to have joy. How do we have that? Joy is different than happiness. Happiness comes and goes. Happiness is dependent on your particular circumstance. You're having a good day, you can be happy. You're having a bad day, you can't be happy. Joy is something so much deeper that isn't dependent upon your particular circumstances. Good day, you have joy, but on the worst day, you can still have a deeper joy. How can you have it? It's what we see here in Luke 2. It's Christmas. It's the shepherds. And there's a little equation here. There's a little formula that leads to joy and to more joy in our life, no matter what. This is what it is. That when we see who God is 
And then we see who we are. If you see who you are in comparison, in relationship with God, and then you see what God has done for you and his love for you, that leads to joy. To see more and more who God really is in comparison to see more and more who you really are, but then to see more and more what he has done and how amazing it is, is his grace, that leads to joy. We see that here in the story of the shepherds, this exact phenomena. The shepherds who were the lowest of the low, and they were out in their fields keeping watch over their flock by night, and it says this in verse 9, that an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. They were sore afraid. They were terrified. Why? Well, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. That would get your attention. But infinitely more than that, it says not just the angel of the Lord, but what? The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled, overcome with a great fear. It's the glory of the Lord. It's the glory of God. Glory in Hebrew is kavod. It literally means the heaviness or the weightiness of God. That in an instant, these shepherds minding their business, watching their flock by night, and in an instant they suddenly become aware of the holiness and the glory and the perfection of God, and they instantly become aware of their own wretchedness and their own sinfulness. In an instant can you imagine? They suddenly become aware of just how infinitely big God is and how small they were in comparison to him. And believe it or not, this is a blessing. It's necessary steps on this journey to a life of deeper joy. Jesus, you remember Jesus? Remember Jesus. Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> Do you remember his Sermon on the Mount where he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. They shall be comforted. Jesus is actually saying it is a blessing from God when you become more and more keenly aware of just how sinful you are. It is actually a blessing from God when you become more keenly aware of just how desperate your situation is, spiritually speaking. It is actually a blessing from God when you become more keenly aware of how small you are and how big he is. You know, and just about everything on this planet is communicating that to us. There's not a single person here in the room tonight or watching at home, even the person here who has the little tiny, black, grinchy little heart. There's not a single person here or at home who doesn't feel at least a twinge of awe when you drive through the mountains. There's not a person here who doesn't feel at least a twinge of awe when you stand before the ocean. There's a reason why we really don't often take vacations to 
East Colorado, but rather we spend lots of money going to the mountains. We spend lots of money going to the beach. We spend lots of money going to places that make us feel small because there is an awe, there is a wonder. What that is, it's called worship. And it's what you were made for. It's what you're longing for. Here, the shepherds aren't just in the presence of a mountain or an ocean, but the one who made the mountains, made the ocean, the creator of the universe. And it's awe and it's wonder and it is fear. They understand, first of all, who God is in his glory and holiness. They understand who they are in comparison. And now they are ready to hear the great good news of what God has done and is doing. Look at what it says here. It says, The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Verse 11 For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There is a Savior. You do not have to be your own hero or summon it forth within. There is a Savior who loves you. Who is the Savior? It is Christ the Lord, the Christ that is the Messiah. God keeps his promises to his people. He is faithful to you. It's Christ the Lord. This is the glory of the Lord, the glory of God who's shown around them. This is God. God who has been born. God who has purposely become a human being. That's kind of scary. You can get angels. God, you're going to become a human being. Don't you know how dangerous That is human beings, soft little fleshy creatures that we are. God purposely puts himself in a condition where he can be hurt, where God can be wounded, where God can suffer, where God can die. God is born in this world as Christ so that he can die. And it wasn't a great heroic death, you know, on a white horse with a sword taking over the Roman Empire. No, it was death by crucifixion, which was designed by the Romans to keep the slave population in their place. Crucifixion was the punishment of the slaves. It was reserved for the most vilest and dangerous of criminals. And here Mary takes God in human flesh, the Christ child, and wraps him wraps him in swaddling cloths and places him in a manger. And 33 years later, that same Christ will be wrapped in burial cloths in a linen shroud and placed in a tomb. Why is God doing this? For unto you is born this day. It is for you. He loves you. He wants you. God is doing all of this because you matter. He sees you. 
He knows you, and despite the fact that he knows the worst, he loves you. You matter to him. And finally, verse 20, and then we'll get on to the candles. I love the way this ends here with the shepherds. Look at this. We can learn a lot. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Glorifying and praising. This is joy. This isn't just happiness that's based on their particular circumstances, which comes and goes. And I love that it says the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising. They returned where? They returned their flocks at night. They return to the fields. They return to, let's be honest, not the greatest of lives. The lowest of the low were the shepherds. They returned to the margins of society. But though their situation in life had not changed, they had changed. Their hearts had been transformed because they knew who God was they knew who they were but they knew what God was doing for them that they mattered to him I pray that you know on this Christmas Eve how much you are loved how wanted you are and how much you matter to Christ alone be all the glory Amen.